Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Vitology. Ryan, hello. Hello, Josh. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen, and it's uh, it's good to be here. That there's Ryan Paulson. I am Ryan Paulson, and this here is I'm, Josh Rose. I'm Josh Rose. Or if you were following us on Facebook this weekend, Jose Rose. Jose did it? Yes. Did I get? It <laughs> would not be the first. That was awesome. Someone posted. Oh, Wait, I loved it. Did uh, uh, it was so like good. our official account? Oh yeah. Oh said yeah. Jose Rose. Good. It might That's still wonderful. be up there. We'll have to oh, check. We'll have we to need check, to check but... that. Yes. It is so. not the first time that I have been <laughs> called Jose Rose. You know what it is? It's. <laughs> I mean, and I don't think that they're. I don't necessarily think they're making a. Um, any any statement because even in the sermon um i was pretty clear that i am armenian yes and the are. sermon that came up we'll maybe, maybe talk about that but definitely you know that if you type josh j-o-s-k-h all right yeah but it's r-o-s-e there's the o-s is right uh, there yes and i have even accidentally you typed called yourself Jose Jose before <laughs> so i guess i can't really be too so mad at if people. you see josh here on campus tonight feel free to either call yeah. him josh or Jose. Jose works, man. That's it works. great. That's it works. Great. I'd be honored to be a Jose for a day. <laughs> yeah. There okay. You go. <laughs> I can be Jose. Um, that's funny. That's funny. I, you know, yeah, it's it's happened many times around here, well, and I can guess who did it too. So yeah. I'll go give him a hard time. All right, good. Because it wouldn't be his first time he's done that. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, that's funny. Oh wait, ladies and gentlemen, brought brought to you by Lacroix. Lacroix. That's oh, the beautiful yes. sound. Of opening a lime flavored LaCroix today. Lime flavored. Brought uh, to you by your sponsors. I know. I know. Well, um, this is it's it's Wednesday. We're recording this live as always on Facebook and YouTube. And you can join in. We'd love for you to say hi, uh, post this, but a lot of people watch later or listen to the podcast feed. Yep. Um, but tonight's a, a big night around it is. here. Yeah, what's going on around here? Tonight? We have we have a worship night. Um, so this is, this is our first Wednesday prayer night. Okay. Mm -hmm. First Wednesday of the month, every first Wednesday we do a prayer night. Now it's typically prayer with a little bit of worship added in. Right. Um, and tonight's though, I think it's going to be really good. It's really more of a worship night with some prayer. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because, uh, we have our, all of our youth departments are, are coming over and joining us yeah, for this night of worship. Gonna sweet. It's going to be really cool. So junior high and high schoolers are going to be there along with, uh, Lord willing, hopefully a bunch of our a bunch of our adults coming out. And so if you're hearing this, uh, it's not too late to come join us tonight. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. And so uh, and Nick and the I mean, a bunch of people from our modern worship team. And Nick's written some uh, original songs yes. that he's going to lead us in. And... Three new songs that are like really written for this around this night. And they flow together really nice. Oh, how cool. It's I can't wait. Good. I can't wait. It's going to be good. And then some of our, uh, like our youth leadership as well is going to be joining in. So it's going to be a great time. Right on. Right yeah. on. So a little, little different than our normal uh, prayer nights, but I think that's good. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, really uh, our, uh, our worship is a, is a prayer to, to God as well. So yeah, this is a way to pray. Right on. It really is. So right on. Looking forward to it. And, um, you got to you you taught this weekend. I did. Yeah, I did. On, almost on a whole book of the Bible. <laughs> really, I know, I know. It is, <laughs> it is. It's kind of a one of those books that we don't hear from a whole lot. We, we don't. don't think about a whole lot. In fact, no. um, I, that was one of the interesting things. I had so many people come up to me and say, like, I've never heard a sermon on 
Philemon. Yeah. Now, and I I know our church has preached on Philemon before. Pastor Dennis did a long time ago. I'm not he sure how many. I think he did a six-week series Did he do Philemon. six weeks? Yep. Yep. And, well, and I could see, you could do that. You could. You could Absolutely. do that pretty easily. Um, there's a lot in this. Yeah. And, uh, you gave three sermons on Sunday, and I'll give three <laughs> this Sunday. Three. And, exactly. Yeah. That yeah. sounds about right. It does. No, I do think that there are some themes in there mm -hmm. that could have easily been standalone messages. And, you know, obviously, if, if you're teaching, like, you wouldn't be able to teach exegetically probably three three sermons or yeah. six sermons, but you could teach, like, thematically yeah. and, and sort of launch off. Oh, in, exactly. Um, exactly. Oh, I had a few of them. Said, so, I had a few yeah. of them written in my yeah. extended notes. Okay. Well, <laughs> what what were some of the, okay. what, what's on the cutting room floor that you were like, gosh, uh, I would have loved to have dove into this a little bit more. One of the, one of the concepts um, really had to do with, uh, with freedom. Um, Cause mm. so one of the, one of the issues, um, and I guess we could go back a little bit and, uh, and, you know, let's, let's just Tell the story some. Okay? Yeah, there you go. Of Philemon, uh, a little bit of the. You're better at this part than oh. we're, we're switching seats. So you normally. <laughs> well, I've already preached like, this sermon. You're... <laughs> the, like... So, um, okay. The, the story is, is um, Paul is asking a slaveholder to free a slave, mm -hmm. right? So it, this happens to be a slaveholder that he knows personally that, that at some point in the past um, was uh, uh, converted in Paul's ministry somehow. This uh, is sort of like the movie Crash. Do you yes. remember when like everything at the very end converges and all these stories totally. are intertwined? Yes. Like I, I read, I've read through finally been a number of times getting ready. And I'm just, every time I read it, I go, gosh, what? What a quote unquote coincidence that all yes. these people find themselves in the same place. And it's sort of like that movie Crash. It, it you know? totally is. That's that's another sermon that could have been on like the providence of God, right? The, yeah, totally. Like, oh, you totally can do a whole thing on that. And that's pretty, you know, I mean, that's a launching pad right off of it that. Is. Because yeah. because this, so um, Onesimus or one Simus, <laughs> that's, that's how you spell it. Um, Onesimus, it looks like one Simus, but, um, and there's these names like Philemon, uh, right? Philemon, you could call it, but Philemon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, there's some funny names, but um, Onesimus was this runaway slave who ran away and somehow found Paul. Now, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation. It, could have been that Onesimus knew of Paul um, and like knew that this guy was someone to be respected. Um, and so he went to Paul or it could have been this coincidental work of God, right? That, that he ran sure. away and found Paul in prison or he got imprisoned. It were, he did something wrong. Yeah. He could have been himself. Exactly. You know, exactly. There's, there's a number of things that we don't really know that you, you know, we're, we're reading just one side of this, this uh, letter. So we don't know. We, we don't hear from Onesimus. Um, he's mentioned other places, that, or at least one other place. He's mm -hmm. mentioned in the book of Colossians, Colossians. as well. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's a known figure. Not sure if those books were written at the same time. Anyway, it's a number of things like this. So um, Paul had never been to um, to to uh, Colossae. Okay. So in fact, well, we don't know about that. Um, it's never recorded that he went to Colossae. There you okay? go. So, yep. um, you know, and in the book of Acts, we have all sorts of places that he went. And so it seems like the closest may have been Ephesus, which is about mm -hmm. 80 miles away. Mm -hmm. And so they think that maybe Philemon was in Ephesus at that point and uh, under under uh, Paul's, you know, 
enjoying Paul's ministry somehow, he uh, he comes to faith. Mm-hmm. Now he goes back into his life as a slave owner, um, continues his life as a slave owner, okay, because mm-hmm. that's just what he knew. His slave runs away, goes to Paul. Um, then Paul writes this letter saying, um, sending Philemon, sorry, sending Onesimus back to Philemon, saying, um, basically, would you let him go? Now, now he doesn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unpack that for us. Yeah. He, he doesn't say that. He doesn't directly. It is, it's one of those letters you've got to read a couple times to kind of think, what are you asking, Paul? Yeah. It's not the most clear. And that, and then yet again, it it is mm-hmm. once you kind of see what he's doing. So it's a it's a it's kind of a long ask. Yeah, he, he it is. begins an appeal. I think it's in verse eight or ten or something, mm-hmm. and then um and then ends his appeal like at verse 16, 18, somewhere in there, um where he's asking, he he's sending he's sending Onesimus back, and then asking that Philemon would treat him like a brother, not and, requiring. No, 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 exactly. But ask. And so, and he's very clear about that. Yes. So that was one of the launching points that I would love to to jump into. Yeah. And that that gets into oh a little bit more of um, I love the philosophy stuff. I'd love to kind of talk about the the freedom and how how that's I think that's God's approach to us mm-hmm. is is one of not requiring, mm-hmm. but allowing us to to make the right decision, allowing us yeah. to choose. And I I touched on a little bit. Um, in the sermon, but there were some on the cutting room floor, floor oh, there, yeah. huh? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, quite a bit. That's a, that's a whole, a whole other talk. I think. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. In your mind, what's the importance of that distinction? Hmm. Why, why would Paul go in in a in a short letter? Go to I would consider it to be great lengths, mm-hmm. uh, or at least. He doesn't, he, that, he's not ambiguous about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he says it twice. Yeah. Um, why do you think he makes such a strong point out of that? Well, um, <laughs> first, let me just, you know, um, let me just say that I, I hope you answer that next time because it's really a little bit more in yours. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I do have some, I do have some opinions. Sure um, because we kind of split this letter up a little bit. Um, I mean, sort of the first half of it is what I took, and then the second half. Now, this is a question that actually relates to both halves, right? It because does. He says it. He says once in in uh, in the first half that um, I'm not going to require or I'm not going to command you to do what is required, right? <laughs> Just like a, like quite a way to say it. Like basically, you're saying you really should do this, and he's I'm... like, I don't have to command you to. <laughs> Jesus did. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, and then he says it again. So um, why does he do that? I really think this is what, at least this is the way I took it. I, I think that he is trying to teach Paul how to um, do the right thing, mm-hmm. how, to, how to think correctly about this instead of just telling him what to do. Right. Okay. So that that was the, I, I use the illustration. It's what I called it was the, the moral equivalence of the teaching Amanda to fish. Right. So, yep. you know, um, the old saying is you, you give a man a fish, he eats for one meal. Right. But you teach a man to fish and he can continue to eat for the rest of his life. Right. right? So Jesus could have just said, just do this. Um, and and that's where we, you know, that, that's the difference between Jesus and some of the, the Old Testament laws. Very much. so. Right. The Old Testament laws were just just do this. And this is what you do in this minute situation sometimes. Right. And it's like it was training people just to do the right thing 
Whereas Jesus's entire methodology of training and teaching was more on teaching you how to think about things so that you can continually make the right decision. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul's trying to do. Um, I think there's an, I mean, there's probably some very practical reasons too. Um, right. Like for instance, I, I bet you that, uh, that Philemon is in a higher like status mm-hmm. in society than Paul. In other words, yeah. like he had more money. He was, you know, potentially um, more important in society. Now in the church, like in that, so there's these different realms that they lived in, right? So there's the um, the political societal realm, but then in the church world, of course, Paul has all sorts of authority. Yeah. Um, but this guy actually seemed to have pretty, a lot of authority in that church because the church met in his house. Yeah. Right. And, and okay. Interesting thing. This, it seems like there were two, at least two churches in Colossae because hmm. it doesn't seem like it's the same church that the letter oh, Colossians is written to. Yeah. Um, you're right. It, uh, it's so, so, uh, Paul writes a letter to the Colossians, which that one does seem like it's kind of supposed to be taken around yeah, circulating. Yeah. 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 Um, which, which leads you to think that there's at least two churches in Colossae, hmm. um, maybe more. That's interesting. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, kind of a, a neat look at the church there. Um, it's not like just one city church, um, which who you know who knows. Yeah, that that is that's an interesting uh, an interesting insight. You know this idea of of compulsion. I th- I think mm-hmm. it was Dallas Willard who said um, that really the goal of transformation is to become the kind mm-hmm. of people who do this naturally. Yes, right. Yeah, and so like Paul, it it almost seems like Paul is holding this carrot out for Philemon to say. Like, don't, isn't this the kind of person you want to be? Yeah. Right. Not, not to be under compulsion, but so that your goodness might be of your own accord, that it might Hmm. flow from, from your heart rather from a law that you're given or something that you have to execute. So it's like, don't you want to be this kind of person? Don't you want this type of goodness to flow from you? Yeah. I love that. So. No, I think that's exactly that. That is, I mean, he's, that's what he says. And, but I think that the good news is that we can become the person who this, this flows out of right. naturally. And, and maybe that's even in a, in a sense, this is Paul's way of, of, he believes that you can. Mm-hmm. So he's not forcing, he doesn't feel the, the need to, to command. Right. No, he can trust the spirit yeah. to guide him. And you know? point him in the right way, certainly. Yes, yeah. But go, isn't isn't that who you want to be? Ooh. It's sort of like when we tell our kids, say you're sorry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And usually they go, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Like, well, no, mean it. <laughs> totally. Well, but the reality is, if they meant it, they wouldn't have to have us tell them or command them, no. whatever, however you want to no. instruct them to say it, right? Yep. And yep. so eventually, hopefully we train them to become the kind of people who yeah. when they're in the wrong, they say they're sorry without yeah. somebody saying, tell that person you're sorry. Cause yeah. that person, us, <laughs> yeah. isn't always going to be there. Right. Exactly. So really it's not just when we tell our kids to apologize. Yeah. It is about telling them to apologize, but it's helping them be kind, become the kind of people who will actively and freely yes. apologize when they're in the wrong. Yes, absolutely. And you you do that with kids, right? Um, a little bit more, and and in hopes that you don't have to do that 
when they're older. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's one of the beauty. That's a, there's a great leadership principle here that, that Paul doesn't feel like he has to, um, he has to control the situation. Yeah. That's, a you good know, point. and that's, in fact, one of the things that, uh, as I was thinking about that, I, I just wrote down this phrase that I, I really, really like as I, as I think about God, that, um, that God is, is this somehow he's in control but he's not controlling, hmm. you know, that would be, a lo I'd love to jump off into that somehow in this, but that, that that's, it's really showing who God is, right? Uh, that, that he's, that that's the way he leads us, you know, that, that he doesn't, he, he has control, but he doesn't feel like he's got to tweak every knob, mm -hmm. you know, to make us do the right thing. Absolutely. There's a, and I, I think that's where, and you can speak to this as well, but I think that's where maybe some people get confused about God's sovereignty. Yeah. Because they, they tend to think it's deterministic and therefore like fatal, like life is fatalistic, right? Because God totally. is sovereign. And, but I like the way that you said that he's in control, but not controlling. Mm -hmm. um, tease that out for us. Yeah. You know, I think that what I'd say is that, um, that there's a, a real sense in that, that God, uh, God can 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 get out of the world what he what he wants, mm. right? So so um, and and he's I don't know that I don't I don't see God as tied to all the little details. Okay, and I know this gets complicated and and tricky, um, but I think that there's enough there's enough um, kind of nuance in the world, enough things going on that he can he can make whatever he wants happen. Sure. eventually right so he can you know and oh how he does that i don't know but the scripture isn't clear on how he exactly. does it but that he does that right he does I mean, uh, one one example one of my favorites is psalm 115 3 that says our god is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him yes right like yes he does whatever he wants mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and and he can you know he he can he can um, make things happen the way he wants to. So um, okay, he's gonna he's gonna come back one day and he's gonna he's gonna bring his kingdom in like the full sense, right? Um, now that's something that is fully and completely in his hands. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's he's just oh I just wish that Ryan and Josh would finally get their act together so I can do my thing, right? Yeah, that's just not the way that God is. Yeah. He's he can do it without us. He doesn't have to have us do it exactly at the same time he wants to and he uses what we do it's it's this whole god working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose there's this he, he can somehow even take all things meaning some bad things yeah and use them right for good yeah so so what that tells me is that he's not he doesn't it's not that he doesn't care i almost said that um, it's not that he doesn't care, but it, no matter what happens, he can take it and use it for good. My illustration has been he's like MacGyver. <laughs> That's yeah. He can whatever. Like he is creative. He is resourceful. Yep. He's never caught off guard. And if if he has a roll of duct tape and a can of tuna, watch out. <laughs> yes, he does. That's right. That's right. And. And I, but I do think you're right that we get caught up thinking that that, uh, that every decision is um, is like every little thing is planned out by God. Um, in fact, okay, this uh, 
this came up um yesterday we were, we were at a retreat yesterday that was wow. seems like it was a while ago for some reason yesterday was a long day we had an elder meeting it was a lot but um we went on a on a, on a retreat as a staff um really really cool we got away uh and just kind of spent some time a few hours just just praying uh individually and then we kind of got together in groups and it was really sweet lynette organized it all awesome awesome time but one of the things that as i was i was kind of praying and this is a spot i i i like going a lot i feel really comfortable there and i kind of got into a routine um and i felt myself doing that and i kind of did did my my kind of praying routine um of kind of centering myself and getting ready to to enjoy this time with with the Lord, and I just sense this this sense of like of God saying like uh, I I didn't have a I didn't have a plan I didn't sense God was like saying this is what I want you to do mm. in this time this couple hours we I had so I just sent this freedom to go and do whatever I felt like doing at the time oh. so I, you know I sat there it was a little cold so it was raining a little bit mm -hmm. so I was like I I don't think I want to sit here and I just felt freedom to go and walk. And then I heard bells ringing. So I was like, huh, the bells meant that there was a, a service going on. I thought, I'm going to go to the service. And I just went to the service. Um, somebody, somebody texted me in the middle of the service and said, hey, can you talk? And I thought, huh, I'm going to go talk. Like it just, <laughs> it was just this, I just felt free there. And it was one of those That's things cool. like, I didn't feel like God was I mean, at the same time, I felt like God was in each decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it wasn't like, you know, you could see that as, yeah, God was manipulating each situation, or you could see it as God being in that. And if, if I would have done something different, he still would have been in that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really what it was. It ended up that's being cool. a really beautiful time. I really like that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. Come on. So, um, your your very first point was forgiven people forgive people yes and i love that um here's my question and it's one i've been thinking uh -huh. about as i've been studying also and so uh is there ever a situation hmm. as a follower of jesus where you would say to somebody you know what I, you don't need to forgive them so is uh, and here's one of the yeah. things i'm getting at yeah is forgiveness, does God say to us the same thing that Paul said to Philemon? Do it, but on your own accord, not under compulsion. Or are we yeah. commanded yeah. to forgive, right? So do we have a decision in this? Yes. So, okay, that's a great... Um, yes, okay. I think that um, I would say it this way. Um, that there is a time... And I, I feel like I've counseled people. I, I know I've counseled people in this before. Um, that I, I've told people if they're really, really hurt, let's not talk about forgiveness yet. So I've said, I don't think you need to forgive yet. Um, but that's always in my head. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, I don't know that there's a timeline on mm. forgiveness necessarily. Oh, that's um, a really good point. I do think, okay, however... I do think that our goal is always and and ought to be always to forgive. Um, now, so and this is where I tried to come out in that that that, that idea that freedom frees us was mm -hmm. one of the points. So, it um, forgiveness did I say free forgiveness frees us? Um, 
forgiveness ideally leads to reconciliation, meaning that it's ideally with someone else, but sometimes it can't be. Um, I, I, you know, sometimes someone's hurt you and then they, you know, they go off and die or something, yeah. right? And you can never actually, you know, forgive the person, um, but you can still forgive. You right. know, you can never forgive them to their face. But forgiveness is something that we do for ourselves often mm -hmm. more than anything else. And so if if there's an abuser that has hurt you, um, I don't think that I wouldn't tell most people that you need to go to that person and forgive that person. Right. And I at, at the same time, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I know how to forgive in that situation mm -hmm. because I'll be the first to tell you I don't want to forgive. Like, you know, I mean, I just think if, if, if there was someone that, that we knew and loved that, that, uh, got abused, uh, man, that's going to be the hardest for me to forgive that person. Yeah. Right. I mean, right. I, I'm not saying that's easy. And yet at the same time, I do think that that is one of those things that is expected of us. That is just something that we're supposed to, we're supposed to do. So do we have a choice in it? I think the choice is more in how we go about it. Mm, that's um, good. But I do think it's a part of our calling. That's really good. I, I, I'm glad you said it that way because, you know, I, I think as followers of Jesus, there are times where we can go, I know I'm supposed to forgive, so I'm going to, right? Yeah. And, and in a sense, we short circuit the process and, and we minimize the pain. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that there's an aspect of forgiveness that um, demands that we name the wrong mm -hmm. and and enter into the pain. And so if we just sort of do it mechanically, I know I'm supposed to do this, and so therefore I'm going to, we might miss some of the um, the depths of 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 healing and pain that that God is bringing us through, yeah, right? And so um, I'm glad you said it the way that you did. That, mm -hmm. I think that's really that's really powerful and really good. Um, all right. You said forgiveness is only an option when people don't deserve yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this one, um, yeah, <laughs> this one is not one that, uh, I had really heard much before. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I hadn't heard it that way. Um, but okay. And, and so let me, let me be clear. This I think this is right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. In fact, I, I even I even said this. Um, I'm pretty sure this is right. But here, in this situation, um, <laughs> Paul's asking Philemon to forgive um, Onesimus, mm -hmm. and and I really think it should be the other way around. Yeah, because here is a slave owner who had a slave, and in our worldview. I think like everyone, if they're a slave, we all think that everyone that's a slave should run away. Yeah, like I mean, that's we, the we the have right an, uh, conviction that freedom is a God-given yes right yes um, liberty is one of our main distinctives as a people. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. so now, now, okay, so forgiveness in that's in in the eye of the person forgiving. So clearly, in this situation, I think. Paul is writing this for Philemon, mm -hmm. not necessarily for Onesimus. Okay, my guess is there was a, a whole nother conversation that went on with Onesimus, hmm. and that this was a step in Onesimus's That's, um, yeah. journey that that we don't have access to. So, and that that's where um, 
you know, clearly Philemon thought that Onesimus had wronged him. So that's where, that's where in his eyes, um, forgiveness was needed. Mm -hmm. Right. So, because, you know, um, you can't, <laughs> if, if you're, if you're wrong, I mean, if you, if you don't think you're wrong, if you, if you think that you deserve forgiveness, then what that really means is you don't think you did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's where that, uh, that idea, uh, I think at one point I said, deserves got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Which is, by the way, a great line from the movie Unforgiven. <laughs> I just, I didn't just quote it. it I just slipped it in. I did that with, um, um, there's another line, another movie line. I just slipped in two movie lines. One right. was, oh. um, and I didn't reference it. One was, look what you did, you little jerk. Oh, yeah. No, I caught that one. <laughs> did you that, good? That's Home Alone. It's Home Alone. Yep. I think right? a lot of people got that one. Yep. Um, I the week before I slipped in a line from Survivor. Yes, that's right. So in case anybody was, was watching Survivor, that was they, I forgot to ask you about uh, that. I remember. Yeah, um, I was as confused as a goat on astroturf. Goat on astroturf. So which is, which that, is great. You know, yeah. Hey, just got, it's you don't camp there. You just no, say it, no. and for people that get it, they're like, like right on, home alone, right Survivor, on, I know, right on, I know. right on, and uh, yeah. So. Um, so deserves got nothing to do with it. So, so you can't you can't uh, you can't say I deserve forgiveness, right? And you can't ever earn forgiveness, right? And so that if that if that's both true, which I, I think it is, then the only time that forgiveness is necessary is is requires needed is when someone doesn't deserve it, right? Okay, so it's a gift. It's grace. And usually when we ask for forgiveness. When we think we deserve it, it tends to sound something like, I'm sorry if what I did hurt, hurt your you. feelings, right? Or yes. I'm sorry if what I did hurt you. Like you're so weak <sighs> that that got to you. Yeah. Well, could you forgive me for that? Oh, and yeah. and it's sort of this like, my intentions were good, yes. but you've been wounded. Yes. So I deserve to be forgiven because my intentions were good. Yes. Right. Exactly. And without any sort of empathy or being yep. able to see things from another person's point of view. I only yeah. use that example because I've been <laughs> guilty of using that example. So, yep. Sorry. Uh, I, I say, I'm going to say sorry to Beth and he says, sorry, Kelly. <laughs> we've both done it. I'm sure we're sorry. We're, we're <laughs> we've, we've done this. Yeah, I know. No, we've, no. we've, yeah, that's, that tends to be the ones we do it to most. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, but that that was what what launched me into this idea that that uh, here here we have this you know you don't deserve it until I mean sorry forgiveness isn't an option even needed unless someone deserves it and yet the situation was that that Paul uh, that I mean sorry that, that Onesimus was the one needing forgiveness seemingly yeah and. I don't know. You, you've done a lot of research yeah. on this as well. I think the that whole line of if he owes you anything, yes. charge it to my account. Yeah, seems to suggest that maybe Onesimus stole something, yeah. or that um, more than just running away, yep. that there was some sort of wrong that was perpetrated against Philemon. Yes, yes. And um, I mean, you have to surmise that, or in, in a sense, try to get that out of the text. It's yep. not explicit, but 
it does seem like there's some sort of aspect yep. like that there, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. But I, you know, that's in the second half of the book, so I'd let you deal with that um, next time. So, but yes, exactly. I, there, there seems to be something else going on here. Um, but that's where I wanted to just address the the issue there. That you know, if we're talking about forgiveness, um, which, which we are, uh, and it seems like I was we we're setting up Onesimus is the wrong one because he ran away as a slave. That's where I thought, all right, we got to say something here about slavery yeah. issue. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And, and I so, think yeah. it's, I, I loved your slide about, um, about the slave Bible. Yes. Oh my word. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. So you got to spend some time at the yes. Bible museum yeah. in, um, yeah. in DC. Yes. Yeah. And that was just great. amazing. That was great. Now. So, um, yes, I mean, okay. You know, DC is just full of museums. And it was great. And so um, I had my whole family there, right. um, which was a blessing and a curse. <laughs> um, the, the, the Museum of the Bible is, is fun. There's, there's a lot of great things for kids, um, but there's no way in the world that they wanted to stay there as long as I did. There you go. So that was part of the issue. Um, they had been to a lot of other museums over the course of the time. Unfortunately, it was like one of the last ones we went to. So I didn't get my time there. Um, but I did, I did get to, to spend some time with this, this, uh, this piece, which was, which was one of the, the ones that really stood out to me the most. I'd never seen it before. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of this. And this whole idea of re redacting the Bible and, you know, cutting it down, I thought that is, is the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it just was such a stark illustration of this very thing of how wrong this is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, I think it, it really, it really got at the the that the point is that that you you really can't use the Bible to justify slavery. Yeah, and uh, and I've heard people do that. Well, I'm sure there was a number of people in the South. <sighs> yeah, you know, that yeah, in the during the Civil War and civil rights and all that 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 did that very thing. Mm -hmm. But one of the the statistics on that slide that you showed were just amazing. The, they cut out 90% of the Old Testament, yeah. 50% of the New Testament, the entire book of Exodus. I mean, you, yeah. you've got it. All the Psalms. All the Psalms. The Psalms. Uh, yeah, they're freedom songs. They're freedom songs. Yeah, you don't want to give slaves freedom songs, apparently. They learn that, at least. And, yeah, uh, just, it was really, really, really powerful. Yeah, well, and it, and it just, so, and that's where, just to, just to be clear now, clearly, um, slavery was a, uh, was something that Christians Christians did. Okay, they owned slaves. Um, they never should have. And it's one of those things that is one of those um, um, one of those blights on on Christianity in general. Mm -hmm. That uh, that it was allowed in America, in Europe, um, all over the place. That in p places where people claim to be Christians, and yet, and yet, and this is important to point out though that. At the same time, the places where people are most free in general, even in those times, were still the places where Christianity mm -hmm. was prevalent. Okay, so now it wasn't perfect, right? But uh, people were generally more free, um, have been more free in cultures and societies that have been influenced by this book, by the Bible, because uh, because the Bible is a, a a book about freedom. Yeah, it really is. Tom, uh, again, an historian, agnostic historian hmm. named Tom Holland. I don't know if you've oh. read any of his works, but he wrote a book called Dominion. Dominion, yeah. And in it, he essentially talks about the early church, the 
rise of Christianity and the way that Christians contributed to society mm -hmm. and specifically in the West. And, and he argues in that book that you do not have human dignity and human rights if you don't have Christianity. Yeah. And he would essentially say that that is absolutely foundational for the, in like the air that we breathe in the West mm -hmm. that would be for equality, for human dignity, mm -hmm. for human value, for human rights of all people is a distinctly Judeo-Christian ethic mm. and conviction. And he does it That's from an huge. agnostic historic standpoint. He's going, I don't necessarily believe these people were, were right. I'm just looking at it from a history standpoint going, ah. we don't get here without that. I he's, love it. Essentially, his point is that Darwinian humanism does not lead you to ubiquitous value for the human race. Whoa. Like, he's oh, like, you just yes. cannot get there. Can't. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful, thing. I have that book. I just haven't read it yet. It's, 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 a it's one of those things. Um, yeah, I, I think I started it and I was like, wow, this is intense. It's yeah. So I want to go read something. But easy. well, <laughs> but really like well-written, well-researched. Yeah. And for those of you that are interested in that type of writing that is, um, uh, supportive of Christianity and like would uphold Christianity as a good thing, but not necessarily from a distinctly or only Christian standpoint, yeah. it, his work is phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah. In, in a sense, he's, it's a, it's a great, it's one of those great assets for the church to be an apologetic. So it's not just, we're not the only one saying that, that, you know, this book is about freedom. Right. Right. Or that, yep. that, that truth happens. Okay. Now that, I mean, clearly we are not, you know, this is, and, and let me be very clear. Um, I would not say that this is a, um, we're not like a, a Christian nation in that way. Like, you know, we've got some, there's been some Christian principles that were a big part, a huge part of our foundation and some of our, uh, the early, um, you know, our early forefathers, what do they call them? Anyway, yeah, them, um, the founders, but, but at the same time, it's not like they just took the Bible and created a country out of it. That's just not, it's not something that you can do. And so we have problems in a country and societal. And so that's one of those things, like I was trying to point out when, why doesn't Paul just condemn slavery? It's like, it's not really in his, it's not in his lane. Yeah. In a sense, right. So Paul could, could say, all slavery is wrong. I, I, I wish he did. Mm -hmm. That would have been great. That would have been nice. At the same time, it, he didn't have the, the power to do that, right. to declare it wrong, because it's not like slavery has ever been a Christian thing or a, you know, a specifically specific religion thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, beyond that, a societal thing. Yeah. And Paul just didn't have that kind of authority. So, yes, he was a big deal in the church, but he was not a very big deal outside of the church. In fact— <laughs> quite the opposite he was in jail right especially this time he's <laughs> literally yes. yeah yeah that's a good point and i man i i'm with you i wish i i wish he would have been more explicit here um the idea that i'll use or and, and this may be from nt right i'm not sure but um he said something to the effect of that paul put a time bomb in the institution yes. and um, yes, I think so. Right. I'm going to talk about that good, a little bit good. this weekend. Ah, that good, and and I think that what I would say is that this letter isn't about necessarily, although it does eventually contribute to the abolishment of slavery. It's not that wasn't yes. its intent, 
but yep. its intent is to free us from the slavery of bitterness mm -hmm. and anger and unforgiveness. And, yes. and you hit on that too, yes. that there's a, another kind of slavery yes. that the scriptures are pointing to. Yep. that's powerful and oppressive. And, and yet the prison doors from that slavery are open yep. because of the work of Jesus. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So and that, that even, I mean, I think there's even better ways to say it. that could even be the whole another whole sermon. Right, is that that here is Paul's asking a um, a slaveholder to free someone to free himself. Mm -hmm. Right, okay, that's that's mm -hmm. really what we're getting at. Yes, you know, if, if you free Onesimus and in the process forgive him, the person that will really be free is Philemon, because mm -hmm. Onesimus. Okay, if I had to speculate, Onesimus is already he's already so free that he's willing to step back in to risk stepping back into slavery to do the right thing. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, only he, freedom lets you do that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Anisimus at some level didn't need to be freed. <laughs> it's that it would be better for Paul and better for Philemon if he were free. Right. I think it's, that's really good. It's really cool. Okay. So um, at one point in the sermon, you took us, um, back to the very beginning of the story. Yeah. And your point was that God has always been a forgiving God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we don't often view him that way, but that has, is, has always been the case. Mm -hmm. um, talk to us a little bit like this, uh, yeah. about this. And, and I think my follow-up question is, and this is a theological one, uh. is there ever a time where God isn't forgiving? <laughs> And okay, go. <laughs> All right. So I just this this is one of these. I, it's really one of my favorite little um, little observations in in Genesis chapter three, which is when kind of um, when the fall, we call it. Right. So um, the, the time when Adam and Eve, um, okay, these first two humans, um, they they recognize that they um that they have, they have shame. Um, they commit the first sin. I, you know, oh, there's so much in this. I, I don't think that it really has all that much to do with the fruit. Right. <laughs> um, it has it has a lot more to do with a number of other things going on there. But um, so it's not like God's just he really cares about the rules. Okay, that's I don't think that's what's happening yeah. here. Um, but that's a different issue. But um, he does. Well, yeah, I'll let you. See. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I mean, I think that um, it the the rules are pointing to something else, right? There, so yeah. there was a worship problem that that is the real thing that totally. they they started kind of wanting to be like God. Now, okay, here's the crazy thing: God had already declared them like God, right? In Genesis one twenty eight, in His right? image, in His image, and so they're not believing and that, likeness and likeness exactly. They're not believing what God has already said about them, and they're believing they're believing this serpent instead of God. So, I mean, so many things going on there. Um, I love that passage, but when they sin, there's this, it's very, it's, there's very specific language in there mm -hmm. that they, they realize they're naked, but there's this, this mention in the end of chapter two, I think it's verse 25 that says yeah, that, um, that, that they were naked and felt no shame. Right. Which is the more you think about that, um, we don't know what that feels like. Right. And I don't think anyone since has understood what that really is um, because we've been kind of covering mm -hmm. ever since. And so here is this moment when they go from innocence 
to to guilt and shame. And and so noticing what God says to them has been super powerful for, to me. It has been just one of those things that that I keep coming back to that he he says, where are you? Mm-hmm. Those are the first words to sinful humans is where are you? I, and in other words, um, come on, come on out. Right. Come on out. No, don't, just, you don't need to hide from me. Yes. He said, I loved your point that when God asks a question, it's not to get new information. Yes. Yes. It's, he knows exactly where they are. <laughs> All right. He is God. Um, so he, he's, he's really telling them that I'm here and I want you to come out. Right. And so, and that, that's, that's, at least with God, that's, that's a lot of what forgiveness is, is us coming out and being who we're, who we are, mm-hmm. right. Instead of kind of trying to hide And So now if we want to get into this, I think that we, with God, especially we hide by um, making excuses, by not confessing, by not asking for forgiveness, but by adding all sorts of other things. Trying the woman, to look good. she gave it to me. Yes, it's, yes. It's blame. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's totally diversion. Like, <laughs> look over there. Right. Like, look at her. She's <laughs> the bad one. And then yeah. she does it. It was the serpent, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> totally. It's like she she says the serpent you put here, God. So really, <laughs> so, it's your fault, yeah. God. Right? I mean, um, <laughs> it's just. I, I mean, I always wonder what would happen if they just. If they would have been like, if they've just come out, God, I'm, I'm so sorry. This, there's something weird. I'm feeling this thing, and here I am. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, that. I think that's what he's wanting for us to to say, though. Yeah. You know. And I think that's the, that's the um, archetypal power of the story, yeah. right? And and I use that term not to say that the story didn't literally happen, but to say that the the power of the story transcends what yes. literally happened then yes. to and it causes us to reflect on the way that it happens still yes. in our lives not just in theirs like yes. this i don't think that genesis 3 is a story that we're intended to read and think wow didn't they screw up no no, no i yeah. think it's yeah. one that we're intended to read and go okay god how am i doing the exact same thing you're offering me totally. the tree of life in connection and relationship to you. And I'm choosing to say, no, I will define good and evil, mm-hmm. right and wrong life on my own terms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The truth of the matter is we don't know how we would respond to a talking serpent. Right. <laughs> we, don't. <laughs> we don't, right? It's the only time that's ever happened. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of fun. Okay. So um, my follow-up question uh-huh. And you can plead the fifth on this if you want. Oh, yeah, yeah, you said. Is, are, there, mm. are there times where God doesn't forgive? Oh, my if goodness. If this is sort of part of his nature, this is part of it from the very beginning. Yeah. Is there times when God gets to the end? So, okay. I would, I would have to say no. Um, only because that's what, that's the, what Jesus um, asks of us. Because I, I quoted um, out of Luke, and in that in Luke he says, "Forgive seven times, even if he comes right, even if he comes back to you seven times." Now, um, in in uh, some of the other gospels, um, I think it's in the two other places, he says, mm-hmm. "Forgive seven times seven. 70. seventy, yeah, yeah seventy, yeah, seven times seventy. Excuse me, four hundred ninety. Yeah. So now I don't think he's saying once you get to four hundred ninety-one, then you can bring the hammer down. Right? No. Nope. Um, it's really saying these are symbolic numbers that totally you know, 
these are saying like keep forgiving, keep forgiving forever and ever in both passages. I think that's what he's getting at. And I think that's a reflection of, of, of who God is. Not. I don't think that is a reflection of who God is. Yeah. Um, that is who he has always been. He's always been forgiving. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know if I can say that God gets to the end and says, no, I'm just not going to forgive anymore. Yeah. And now, um, and I know saying that is a, uh, is a tough thing to say. And there's all sorts of, that has all sorts of implications. Um, because even the worst person, even the, even the person who's done the absolute worst things can be forgiven by God. Um, and I, I don't always like that. We have, we have a number of, examples mm -hmm. in our scriptures of people like that right yes like paul would say i'm the worst of the worst oh yeah and he wrote you know yeah. how many books for bible yes i mean okay, if if you were stephen's mom mm -hmm. how would you feel about the fact that paul stephen so paul stood there and like kind of ordered the killing of of stephen more or less or right. approved of it now stephen's mom if she if she were alive how would she feel about having Paul in a position of authority and receiving grace? Grace can be offensive in a sense, right? Yeah. And, and that's a, that is, and I, you know, I don't know what to do with that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, and, and I ask it that question, knowing that I don't, there's no like, uh, like one verse that we can point to and go, well, clearly. Yeah. Right. Because I think, you know, in, it was first John two, two, we, we, we hear that Jesus died for the sins of the entire world, especially those who believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I was reading just the other day about, um, this rejection of the spirit and the unforgivable sin. Right. Yeah, yeah, and so totally. you have this, like this built in yeah. tension to yeah. say, all right, um, like we know the heart of our father, mm -hmm. right? That when mm -hmm. Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, that he's asking something that is in line with his father's heart, mm -hmm. not outside of it. And um, and so that is the heart of our father, to continue to forgive um, even when they kill his son, mm -hmm. right? Even when, when Jesus is crucified, yeah. he forgives. And... Um, and yet it seems as though that forgiveness becomes effective for us upon faith and receiving it. And, um, and at that, at that point it starts to, to work in us and change us and mm -hmm. remake us into his image. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, I think it's the right way to put it. Not, you know, and those are, those are some of those things like, okay, is the unforgivable sin somehow related to not, <laughs> Um, not asking for forgiveness in a sense, yeah, right? I think you know? so. I think it's it's unwillingness to recognize the work of the Spirit. Totally. Yeah, in us, around us, like yeah. God at work. Yeah. God's going well. That I, I can't um, let go of that offense because it goes very contrary to the thing that you would want in mm -hmm. forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, those two things can't both be true. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Man. Do it. I just, I wanted to, the, I, I guess I would just say the story you told about your grandma mm. at the very end was just powerful, man. Really powerful. Well, thanks. I, I, yeah, it, it was, it was for me this, this week was, I mean, that last week was kind of fun because, um, 
it was one of those stories. In fact, I, I had mentioned it in writing team as this like, in fact, we were talking about stories and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I've got a story about that. You know, it was one of those moments like, oh my goodness. And it was kind of this, this memory I had um, of a bunch of stories I'd heard as a kid. Um, so I got to, I went back and called my mom, I called my aunt. They both told this, told me pieces of the story. And so I've got like all these How cool. elements of this. Um, and I learned a bunch about my, my great grandmother, my, my Nana, great grandmother born in Armenia. Um, I'm going to write a little bit more about it in a devotional uh, oh, coming cool. out next week. Um, or I wrote a more of it. <laughs> it should have been done. Um, busted. Busted on air. Um, it's mostly done. But um, it, it is, she was um, in Armenia. She went through the Armenian genocide, um, which is one of those things that doesn't, it doesn't get talked about a whole lot, about a million to a million and a half, about a million in, in 1915, about a half a million in the years before 1915 wow. were, uh, were murdered um, by the Ottoman Empire. Okay. Um, and which um, uh, it was, it was a mess. There was a kind of area, it was Western Armenia. It was, mm. uh, that was what it was known as. Um, and that area kind of got taken over by, by Turkey. So now that area is, is Turkey. Um, and so there's lots of Armenians live there still. Um, some of them don't know they're Armenian. Huh. Um, I met a, I met a guy through 23andMe who is Turkish, but we're related. No way. And so he's, in fact, we talked a bunch and then he stopped talking. I think it's partly because he realized he's Armenian. And I don't know that that's socially all that, wow. all that uh, great. Wow. Uh, it's oh, so interesting. interesting. Uh, now, I don't know for sure, but he just stopped talking to me. So I don't know. Um, but it was really neat. He's like listening. He's yeah. like, no, hey, man, hey, nothing hey. to do with yeah. that. I just I love like it. you. Like, I just thought, um, no, yeah. <laughs> you just talk too much. Um, no, it, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting thing. So there's all sorts of, um, all sorts of Armenians still living there. Or now they're probably, you know, mixed in all over the place, right? So, mm -hmm. um and a bunch were killed. So my great grandmother um, gets taken, um, gets kidnapped at age five, I believe. Um, gets kidnapped by a Turkish family, um, and her the way she told the story was that um, it was she lived as a slave. Wow. So here is an instance of, in a sense, slavery. Um, she she would say that when they took her away from this family that they had to hire three people. Now, I don't know if she knows that even. Um, she she worked, she must have worked there till about age nine to 11, somewhere in there. I'm okay. not, we, the timeline is hard to tell. But um, so she worked there for quite a while. Um, she remembered them being terrible to her mm -hmm. and uh, it being a really hard life. She says stories of like um, getting served crumbs mm -hmm. for, for a meal wow. and saying that, why don't you give this to the cat, to them? Because it'll do the cat better. That was some of the some of the like things wow. that she told us. She didn't tell us everything, um, and uh, and sure enough, though, all all that to say, she by another whole crazy string of events, she makes it to the United States. Um, in the meantime, she was taken she was taken by an orphanage. Um, there was this this edict that came down after the Ottoman Empire fell, and this someone said that you can't have any Armenians in your home. 
Um, so basically there was a lot of this going on and they had to pull them out of the homes. They, she got placed in a German run missionary, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, orphanage by, uh, by, it was run by German missionaries. Wow. They, they share the gospel with her. Um, she is blown away and she, this was one of the things that she said, I didn't get to talk about. She would say how luck she was the lucky one. Wow. Um, her, her brothers and sisters actually came to the United States before the genocide. Mm. They didn't experience it, but they never trusted Christ. Wow. She would always say she was the lucky one. Wow. Even she went through this crazy time. Dang. Um, and so this, mm. this woman, uh, the woman, the Turkish woman ends up coming to the United States as well, but her husband is gone. She's poor. She has nothing. Um, she knocks on their door uh, and somehow finds them in Massachusetts. My, my Nana knocks on their door. And uh, the story is that my grand, my, um, my great grandfather, um, who was not a believer at the time, slams the door on her face. Now wow. this, I didn't get to share at all. Slams the door on her face. Um, and, but my Nana no, noticed who it was, saw it, talked to her a little bit, I guess, um, wanted to help her, hmm. but he said no. And so like a good wife, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. like a strong woman, like a, I, you know, um, like a, oh, David's wife. Um, why am I thinking about um, No, no, not her. The other one. Um, <laughs> anyway, goes around Michael? her. No, no. The other one. The other one. <laughs> Darn it. There's another one. Goes around her husband's back to to um, to do the right thing. Um, oh, anyway, blanket. It's gonna come to me. Um, goes around goes around his back to do the right thing and ends up supporting her. Now, here's where um, my grandmother always told me that she supported her um, till the day that the woman died. My aunt thinks that she only supported her a little bit. And so my aunt watched the sermon and says, "Yeah, you made her look too good. <laughs> she, she wasn't that nice to her. So, all right, I'm sorry. She was a hero to me, and she will always be a saint in my eyes. That's awesome. <laughs> what a great story of forgiveness. My goodness. Oh, wow. 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 Right on. Right on. Um, well, it was great Sunday, well, Josh. Thanks, really, man. really Thank good. Was, and was I'm excited to... Uh, uh, piggyback yeah, on it this coming man, week and I'm looking forward to this. finish the series. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you get to get a little bit, a little bit more practical. Yeah. I mean, my, is- uh, the title of my message is, um, forgiving our way to freedom. And Oof. I'm going to talk about the, the process of forgiveness yeah. and, um, and just, there's a few sort of little, uh, I'd say stones that, uh, Paul puts down yes. for Philemon to walk across that I feel like we oh, can that's good. too. That's good. Um, so, that's going to be, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be a good, um, yeah. Cause you really work well together. The, sort of the theology of it. The, while, yeah. yeah. And, and so the second half, he really gets into more of the, here's what I want you to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. 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 Well, man. Hey, yeah. Any chance you brought a book? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So, you know, uh, this is our segment. Um, and, um, the segment is, Ryan, Ryan brought a book. book. Ryan brought but, a book. But but you, you know, I guess week. I preached, so I, I thought I'd bring a book. And it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, oh man, it could kind of relate, but it doesn't directly relate to this. Um, and so I brought I brought a um this is a Kindle book. So here's the oh, oh, here we go. Here is the uh the book. It is called Messy Grace. Okay, and actually, and in a lot of ways, um, 
you, you, this you was the story. Names, oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, Messy Grace Kate, written by Caleb Kaltenbach. Now, um, this is this is a guy. The, the story. Okay, let me just read the the tag here. Um, how a pastor with gay parents learned to love others without sacrificing conviction. Wow. Okay, this guy has his his mom and his dad had him, um, and then both ended up being gay. Right. All right. So. Um, his story is in this. It is an amazing, amazing testimony um, to God's grace. He kind of getting pulled out of this um, potentially really dark place mm -hmm. um, and this, this hard place to grow up as a kid. And um, he comes to Christ. He, he's, he is convicted. Okay, so he doesn't sacrifice his convictions about the truth of God's word. And then, um, but also convicted that we need to love better. Mm. And it comes out in this. It's great. Um, I won't go into too much about the book because he's coming here Yay. to Man of Faith. In fact, um, in two episodes of yeah, two this, weeks. in two weeks, two weeks. Um, our, we won't do a podcast. Instead, we're just going to stream his talk um, on Wednesday night. So it'll be a little bit later. Um, That's November, November 17th. 17th. November yeah. 17th. And so um, Caleb Kaltenbach, is is coming and it's going to be a fabulous fabulous night um you're going to want to tune in and invite your friends to tune in or come or out come. if you're local we would love to see you here yes. it's a free event so absolutely uh, one that we're all gonna learn and, and yeah. grow and and I'm, I'm really excited for it yeah yeah gonna be a really neat time so you got you've gotten to meet him i've talked to him on the phone yeah for a bit and yeah neat guy oh great my guy. goodness great really guy. really tons of energy and um you know, he's the kind of guy that I could envision staying after and talking until we had to like shut the lights off. And I like... think we'll do that. <laughs> I think we'll so, do that. All right. Yeah. Josh, great job, man. Thanks, Thanks man. for uh, Thank diving even deeper in today and answering some oh, questions man. and unpacking this message with us. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for the Vitology podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. May you, may you live in the way of Jesus, with the heart of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless. Blessings.